This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey everybody. Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> What's French for what's up? <laughs> What's that? No, that's... Yeah, no. Yeah, bonjour, <laughs> madame, et monsieur... Donde esta el baño? And tonight, we're having some croissant. And French baguette! I have my... Let's see what else we can stereotype. I have uh, my, my beret on. Yes. My I, raspberry beret. Yes. I have a black and white striped shirt on and I'm smoking a cigarette. That's right. And because tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are t- talking about French New Wave Extreme Horror. French Extreme New Wave Horror? French horror that is new in the extreme. <laughs> To the extreme? To the extreme. Do they rock a mic like a like, vandal? <laughs> <laughs> like Mountain Dew extreme. Oh, like that extreme. code red. <laughs> so it's, it's, which you know what? Yeah, in these two movies, code, code red. red. <laughs> yes, that's right. Tonight we are going to be tackling the French New Wave and we're going to get all international because we are talking about high tension. High tension. And martyrs. Much to Jackie's chagrin, I forced her to watch some of this stuff. And I got to say... A better, better reaction than I thought from you. You know what? Better reaction than I thought from me as well. Because every, I think it was kind of built up in my head as, you know me. You know me. I know you. You know me very well. Y'all don't you know me, but I do know you. You do know me. <laughs> uh, and you were like, um, I'm going to make you watch these. Suck it up. You have to watch them. Right. And as it has happened time and time again on this show... I'm narrow-minded. You have opened my eyes to something new. Um, I really enjoyed High Tension. I had a little bit of trouble at the end kind of suspending my disbelief because it got a little nonsensical for me. Um, And with Martyrs, I actually really, really loved it up until like a halfway point. And then I really, really didn't like it the rest of the way. But we, we will get to that. I don't know. Sure. Which, which and I one? hate to say this so early, but are you out of your bird? Uh, you know what? We need to make a t-shirt that says, <laughs> Jackie, are you You're out, out of your, your bird? bird. Because That's I don't understand how the second half of Martyrs could possibly bore you. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, What's French for crazy? Because that's what it is. 
Le poisson. Le poisson. You're the poisson. I'm pretty sure that's seafood. It's yeah. crab. It's crab. Right? It is. Le it's got to be because that's he what the song about is. Putting the le poisson. Right? Yeah. Little crab it's got to be. Right. So uh, now that we've had a classy language, linguistics yeah. lesson. What's up, French listeners? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Actually, I, people who were French are listening, <laughs> they have turned off by now. I took two years of French in high school. Yeah, it shows. And the only thing that I remember is how to say shut your mouth. Because there was a girl in my class that like... Put it together. We didn't learn that. Like it wasn't like a specific like we learned a lesson where we told someone to shut their mouth. She just put it together and ferme la bouche. Wow, sounds dirty. Say it again slower. Ferme la bouche. Yeah. All right. So okay. let's talk a little bit about the history of France and extremeness, <laughs> because one thing that I realized when I, I did a little research. And it turns out that a, there's a very legit history of extreme gore, violence, and boundary push, pushing with like sexuality in the history of French theater, as well as in the history of French film. So even as far back as the late 1800s, the theater shows were like an interview with a vampire where they really killed a girl on stage. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that kind of stuff where it was all very violent and very sexual. And that was really where the history of... French extremity really is born in that theater uh, era. Then when you go into the early, you know, 30s and 40s, when French do dip their toes into the pool of making films in the midst of the world wars and everything else that's going on and all the atrocities, it is very real, very gritty, very horrific. And you can trace extreme horror French all the way back to the 50s and 60s. But it is in the early 2000s where we are going to live tonight because we are going to talk about what we call the new wave of French extreme. Because it seems that thanks to the sordid history of France, like so many countries that is so violent and horrific, so much of their film is like political commentary on the atrocities happening all the time and the violence and all the extreme um, things people live through. And really like the trauma that the country seems to carry more than I ever really kind of thought about before diving into this whole thing. So, viva la revolution? Uh, maybe, but maybe with a little less violence. Like, viva the, you know, with words. Revolution. <laughs> and I think so much of, like, this history of why so much French cinema tends to be so extreme, it really can be boiled down to this very, like, common trope of very nihilistic and very uh, negative views of life itself. Like, I remember Roger Ebert in his review of Martyrs. Of course, he shit all over it because Roger Ebert and horror, am I right? Right. Um, he said that Hobbes once said that life can be poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And he said, so are these types of movies. And I found that to be like, yeah, Ebert, exactly. Like, these movies are meant to show you this very visceral, guttural reality of extreme terror and horror in a very real way. And if you can't handle it, Ebert... There's the door, yeah. is what I say. Because I'm there for it. Well, actually, that's pretty much how I describe. I was describing this movie to one of my coworkers, and he had that's never seen it you talk before. about this with people who are yeah. not. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and Did you recommend it to Thumbs Up? <laughs> I, actually, he, he's going to watch them. Good, he's yeah, watch he'll, them. he'll be but scared I said, of me tomorrow. <clears throat> I had said specifically in High Tension, I said, you know, because he likes gore. Like, he's into horror movies. Oh, okay. So I said, what is cool about it is I said, you get gore. I said, but don't think like super special effects, practical effects, kind of like the thing style, very dramatized gore. I said, when somebody gets jacked up in the face with a tile saw, I said, the way it looks in the movie, 
is exactly how it would look in real life. I said, they go so far as to match like blood spatter patterns, the way that the skin will hang off because yes, you just took a tile saw to the face. Right. I said that it is fantastic the way that they make this gore. It's so over the top, but it is so realistic at the same time. Right. It's like, it, it's it's almost a contradiction because it is somehow very extreme and in your face, but it, ne- and, but it always is so physically reactive because of the realism of it. And it becomes so grotesque and uncomfortable because you've, I really, with both of these movies, put myself in that moment and I am so uncomfortable the whole time. Like, I, I the, the irony of the name High Tension is not lost on me because I do feel uneasy with any of these French New Wave movies. Yeah. Like, where you just sit there the whole time with, like, your stomach in a knot and then you wonder if something's wrong with you for watching it. And I love that. I think it's, it's a very powerful tool that they have mastered using and i would also like to go on record because it pissed me off to read all of the reviews that just lumped high tension in with eli roth bullshit like torture porn american (sighs) film this to me is so much more it in fact i would argue especially with in martyrs there is no sexual anything it's only violence yeah and in high tension the sexuality which we can unpack is, in my opinion, very nuanced and complicated. Oh, yeah. And it's never gratuitous. No. I don't ever think... In my head, the subgenre of torture porn it requires you to be kind of participating and into it in a way that is almost uncomfortable and why I don't enjoy like movies like Saw and stuff because I feel like in a way it's kind of glorifying not only the villains but also the art of the violence. Mm-hmm. These movies do the exact fucking opposite. They never let you forget how atrocious... And how traumatic and how horrifying the violence in the film is. And it's what makes the horror matter. Whereas torture, it's like you watch Hostel and you're like, hee hee hoo hoo. You never hee hee hoo hoo with these movies. No. You're always just kind of like, when's it over? You know, like, but in a good way. Um, all right, so you want to start with High Tension? Sure. All right, so this movie directed by Alexandra Aha. Aha. Who's done quite a few other horror films. He's pretty well known. Um, I would argue that this is probably one of his most popular or most well-received horror films. I think what a a big part of what makes this to me is the performances, though. My God, everybody in this movie really gives it their all. Yeah. Um, I also would argue that Marie is a a very interesting sort of final girl. As is Alex in this film. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, there's a big twist, and the twist is that he sees dead people and the therapist is dead. Oh, wait, no. No, no, no. you're thinking of a different movie. In okay. this one, um, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Oh my god. No, the, the, the boat sinks at the end and Leo dies. What? <laughs> no. What? No. This is my way of saying, if you have not seen this film, you might want to press pause right. and go watch the movie, because obviously we cannot talk about this film without ruining the ending. Right. Um, and the big twist that this movie is built on is the whole thing that it turns out the killer is the protagonist all along. Which is where I had a hard time with, like, the movie logic. Really? I did. I don't mind the twist. Like I, I love said, it. This, one, this movie I really did, like, start to finish, and I do not mind the twist. I struggled. I struggled, like, maintaining my suspension of disbelief. Because I'm like, there was just too many things where I'm like, like, the scene in the convenience store. I'm like, you're going to tell me there was only one person in the convenience store that whole time? 
It wasn't two people in the convenience store? Well, yeah, and I think the convenience store scene becomes the part that they, the one of the only parts they show you because it, like, the logic in your head doesn't add up. Because, like, you're right. I think, so I think that you're, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that in order to buy the logic of watching this man, this total trope of a, like, what I love about the film is that it kind of uses our tropes against us. So, like, the entire time you're, if you've never seen it, which was this your first? This you is my never, first time. So you were probably pretty floored by the movie. Oh, review. yeah. Absolutely. So, like, I, and I kind of am jealous because this time around knowing it, I kept looking for hints. And there are subtle ones here okay. and there. Like, they definitely plan it out. Certain times when, like, she's across from mirrors and he's across from mirrors and stuff like that. Even the bathroom scene, there's a lot of play on which one is which, like, the gender roles on the on the movie screen. But I think it uses our tropes against us. And in the scene in the convenience store, it's like we've seen this scene a million times. Like, and famously, I think of, like, From Dust Till Dawn and, like, yeah. you know, Natural Born Killers. And we're like, all right, the girl's hiding. This guy's going to try and cover for her, but he's going to get it. So I think that's part of the reason why that's one of the only scenes that gets shown. I also think that when he... One of the things that I argue makes this better than torture porn is when the killer is killing, I think her pain and her, you know, psychological unwellness is played out in a way that we just accept as, like, male aggression and, like, the typical trope of the male serial killer. So forcing you to relook at the way he handles his victims and the, the kind of way that he does what he does, I think, is a really fascinating way to, like, open up an interesting conversation about male versus female gaze in, in film. And, and I think that you have to be willing to suspend the disbelief for the reason that the psychology of it is mind-blowingly good. So here's here's my question. So does the the man, the man that we think is the killer, mm-hmm. which P.S. Uh, he kind of reminded me of Donald Trump, which then made the rest of the movie really funny. Um, but does he exist at all, or he does not exist? He does not exist. He is a figment of her imagination. He is like another so person. In the very beginning, when Alex and Maria are driving in the car, uh huh, and that and scene is happening, we see the scene of the trucker with the girl's head. head giving head. Do is you, that her fantasy? That's her fantasy when she's in the car. That's how I took that. Okay, I took that as that's her fantasy of what she wishes she could be doing with Alex at that moment. So I think now is a good moment to kind of talk about one of the things I toyed with watching this film is is this a problematic representation of homosexuality? And a lot of people have criticized the film for being A, anti-feminist, which I actually strongly disagree with, and B, very unkind to the notion of like a repressed lesbian becoming a psychopath because of her repression. Right. I don't think there's like a conservative subliminal message here. I think that the film would have worked just as well with a heterosexual person who was rejected and wanted something normal that they can't have. I think that's what most serial killers are, right? Like, right. So... I f- like at first I was like, is this villainizing queerness? Can we live with that? But then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, maybe it really just speaks more to our society's norms and our gender roles and our insistence on repressing so much, especially maybe in, in other countries because I can't speak to them, that maybe it's more a, a, a co- opening a conversation about the dangers of repression and the dangers of social gender norms. 
because really they, they suck, right? And the more I kind of see the youth of today shedding those traditional norms, like I kind of give props to people who are like, I'm not getting married. That shit is not what we're built for. Or like, I'm not going to decide if I'm a lesbian or if I'm straight or if I'm gay. I'm just going to love who I love and to yeah. heck with everybody else. Or I'm going to be whatever gender I fucking feel like it. I find this to be a very empowering and very great moment for us as like human beings. So I kind of like that this film kind of gives that flips the bird to the social norms and isn't necessarily saying the queerness is the problem, but society's reaction to it is. Yeah. Is that fair? That is. I mean, again, and I'm speaking as someone who identifies as a cisgendered straight woman, except when I'm with you. Yes. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I mean, we're clearly naked and snuggling right now. So, obvious. No, well, actually, one of my one of my first notes that I have in here is not even uh, in that direction. <laughs> Mine was more like a tug on the heartstring, and again, mm. speaking as a cisgendered woman that does not feel that way about my same sex, is my first note was the struggle of being in love with your straight best friend. Yeah, like I cannot imagine. You know, you, I mean, honestly, like you and I as best friends, like we, you know, hang out all the time. We snuggle when we go to hotels and we're on conventions Absolutely, and we snuggle. Right. The, like there is very little difference, between you know, our between our like, platonic love right? and romantic I 100% love. agree with you. And I just, I get I, a lot out of this relationship. I can, <laughs> I cannot imagine the idea of like one day waking up and realizing that, that you have feelings for your straight best friend. Like, how do you even how do you start that conversation? That? And, and the best friend is constantly pushing the norms on her. She's like, well, you need to get out there and date. And like, you yeah. need to, you know. And also, like, let me bring you home and show you my mom and dad in this nuclear yes, family exactly. that are so, like, it's it's so much pressure. And you're right. Like, I can't even imagine. I mean, it'd probably be an awkward time to confess my love for you. <laughs> but you're right. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have that kind of feeling and make have it be made to feel so wrong and and what that would do to a human being and i think we see it all the time and like high rates of suicide and murders amongst lgbtq populations still to this day it's so damaging i mean what was it it was uh it was one of the oh i can't remember the name of the talk show but there was the guy that was brought on to the talk show because he, he thought he was going on, I forget, like, oh, like, oh you know, you have a crush. Oh, it was like fucking Maury or some yeah, shit one of like those. that. And those bullshit shows. a guy confessed Aww. his love for his best friend, and, like, the next day he killed him. I know. And that, like, that was Maury Povich, was it Maury? Yeah. Like, it was that or Jenny Jones or one of them. Yeah. Like One of those and, like, motherfuckers. Yeah, like, the idea, like, I don't know. That's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's one thing to, and I hate even to say be brave enough to come out, because it just, it sucks that we live in a world where, where you, you have, have to, to have courage to, to be right. yourself. Agreed. But, you know, it people is. do. It's the reality. And then on top of that, to confess your feelings for somebody, there's yeah. three scenarios. They're going to go, I feel the same way, I love you back. They're going to go, I don't feel the same way, but still be my best friend. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to go, I don't feel the same way, don't ever talk to me, you right. weird me out. It's hard to to have sympathy for Marie. And that's, to, to, to flash forward to that ending scene... It's so jar. So, like, okay, my argument for why Marie is kind of a victim, and again, as a psychologist, as someone who you know uh, works with criminal justice stuff, I would never let the the killer get sympathy. But in this one, it really messes with my head because I do have a lot of sympathy for her at the end of the film when she gets stabbed by Alex. You're like, yeah, girl, but then you're like, oh. 
Like, I don't know, there was still... Listen, she just brutally murdered her entire family. She just brutally tortured her, like, threw alcohol on her, like, you know, did so many icky things to so many people. Yet, at the end, I found myself sympathizing with Marie so much more. And I think the way the end scene is shot, where Alex kind of is like, she can't see me, right? But then, like, kind of puts her hand on the glass. I think Alex herself is torn. I mean, think about it. If your best friend, like, your ride or die did that to you and your family, it would not be easy to digest or unfold or unpack. And then to have Alex live and then to have it be her reaching out in that, like, jump scare, which is the only jump scare in the movie, which I love, um, is so jarring to me because it just shows the pain of both sides, the victim and the killer. And that scene blew my mind. Do you sympathize with Marie at all? I felt, I felt like you reacted. No, you don't. No, nor should I, you. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting. I was just waiting for a pause so I yeah. could ask you if you were out of your bird. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair. I totally get it. But it's a mental breakdown. Maybe that's where, not my sympathy necessarily because she's terrible. She deserves to be punished for what she does. I don't think, I think Marie would pass the McNaughton rule and be found legally insane. Uh, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I truly in my heart of hearts believe when she untied her, the scene that gets me is when she's like, I did it. I killed him. I did it. I, know. I did it, y'all. You know? And and then I'm like, well, maybe she killed that part of herself, but then at the end we see, like, uh, No. She just cray Not cray. even a little bit? Like, you feel bad because no. she's cray-cray and, in lo- like, in love with her... No, I don't feel bad that she's cray cray. She killed her brutally, family, brutally which, kills the whole family. High five to this movie for actually showing a dead kid. You love when they kill kids. I do. I it's amazing. Who's crazy now? You. Me. Uh, no, because um, you know what? Don't shy away from it. If you're gonna do a horror movie with that level of high tension, fucking show the kid. I and you know what? I, I was, you know, when they did the whole, like, you just hear the gunshot and we have to but assume But you watched dead. Alex hear the gunshot, which I thought was effective. Oh, yeah. I think it would have been gratuitous to, to have a kid Wait, that Wait, weren't they in the same screen. room at the same time when they that were, happened? They were, when that happened. So, because she, her, she is so con- disconnected from the reality. That's just, I think, so why I, I tend to, and again, maybe this is just me psychoanalyzing the situation too much. I feel like Marie is stuck very much in her own body with this other half of herself, this duality where like, and this kind of is a perfect segue into our, my next topic. But I think like she has these two people in her and, and there is a good person in there too, as fucked up as that seems because the Marie who is Marie is like victimized as much as anybody else in this film. So was, was Marie not really in the room with Alex? She was not in the room with Alex. That's how I took that. Marie had to have been killing the kid. Right. Right. Just like Marie was never but in the closet. In, yeah, but in her but head. in her head. She's there she, comforting her because she loves her. She's not the one her. killing. She's there. Right. right. And I thought it was so clever the way Alex is gagged so that she can't have those. But you could tell she's like this. But then you're like, well, you would be like that too if that was happening. You know, I thought it was brilliant. I think yeah. this is brilliant. No, film. I really did. Like I said, it's a little tough movie logic wise. But overall, yes. but, right. like, I, really, I like what they did. The like, true. <laughs> <laughs> Just when uh, when um when they did the reveal and they do the reveal because the police have been called to the convenience store and you see um, in the they, scene when the when the when the convenience store guy dies they make it a point to show you that there is like a camera rolling like there's like the whole CTV mm-hmm. like security camera so when the police arrive and they watch the camera and you see the scene that's playing out, out 
All of a sudden, she runs out and puts the axe in his belly. But notice she was probably hiding. Well, she was hiding. Right. Well, that's, so, like, uh, when so the, that's the part that, like, in, if you're right, if we're talking right. logic, does she walk in, say she's being scared, like, she's scared and run and hide, and then come out and kill him? Well, no, the convenience store guy had a conversation with the man, and it was there a... There is no man. No, I know, but that's where the movie logic, and it was a very <laughs> familial conversation. Yeah. Like, they knew each other. So did she just go run and hide and then pretend that that was happening in her head so here's how i pieced that together when she asks him for the alcohol part of the reason where he's why he's like all right i'll do it for you and you know when he gives the little wink i think what happens is she runs to the back of the store he sees her there doesn't perceive her as a threat because she's a cute little blonde winks at her because he's given her the the alcohol and that's when she comes out and kills him she's the one who puts the sunglasses on she's the one who has an almost flirt when you see it as her talking with him it's almost flirty because with the dude who, with this killer, yeah. whatever his name was, yeah, you know. Yeah, but they talked like they knew each they other. They didn't. They talked like they were flirty. I thought he calls the guy by name, though. No, he doesn't. I thought he called him Jimmy or something. No, I don't think he I does. Don't know. Again, yeah. to me, like, this And again, is... I, I watched all of those scenes carefully because I was yeah. looking for the holes. I was. Yeah, I don't know. To, uh, the, really, like, like I said, I do. I'll give this movie a thumbs up. I do like yeah. this movie. I will probably watch this movie again. I give it two baguettes up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I will say, I think, I think the movie logic is flawed. And, and that's and, fair. I think there's you know, a certain but level it, of suspension. It's of not flawed enough for me to never want to watch it again. Yeah. Unlike the next movie, which stop it. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, I think this also. So I'd like to talk a little bit about gender roles in the film because I find it fascinating, and I also kind of want to first establish that for the record. And uh, you know, Katie, if you're listening, earmuffs this. I, I subscribe to the notion of the male gaze in film, and I also subscribe to the Bechdel test. I think that the whole, like, is there a conversation between two characters that doesn't revolve around men matters, right? Yes. Now, technically speaking, this, this film would fail that test because, really, they don't ever speak more. They, they speak almost exclusively about boys and relationships, and it, I, it builds to that interesting love kind of unrequited love theme but i still would argue this is an insanely feminist film because a i don't think there's male gaze in this film ever like i don't even when you have this creepy ass very typical slasher guy killing everybody it's done in a way that is like almost like uh what's the word like a when it's like a big picture diorama (laughs) Diorama's are with like the characters, Shagoon. You know what I'm talking about. A like tableau. A, yes. It, every murder is like a tableau. That's fancy. Yeah. And I find it all to be grotesque and horrific, but also very beautifully filmed because at no point do they objectify any of the victims. In fact, it's very sympathetic to the victims. And it's grueling for the audience. As much as it's grotesque, as much it's also a tableau, but it's never not grueling and horrifying. And I think to be able to do both of those things simultaneously and avoid the tropes of the male gaze of, like, the demeaning of the female victims was freaking brilliant. Like, I can't speak enough to how much I think the filmmakers and the actors themselves deserve the credit for. Even the scene when he's driving and he strokes the pictures mm-hmm. of all the girls. And I, maybe it's because in this viewing I knew the reveal. I never found that to be typical of 
serial killers in movies where like you know like and i'm thinking like you think to buffalo bill and stuff like that where like they like give them these gratuitous scenes like would you f me i'd f me i love that i censored myself randomly there um i i feel like this killer never got that and it was it was important to speak to the gender her a female character taking on a very male trope and kind of turning it upside down and i thought that that was really interesting to watch and powerful so now, if not problematic at times, has she killed before, or is no, this, this just like is is this just like a break, the, the like serial a killer break. fantasy? I don't know because like all the other women on the visor, right? The you know, the head that, of the woman, the giving, right? But that was just fantasy, right? Like so, so, those those pictures could have been just fantasy too. Yeah, and I think there's a suggestion when she kills him at the end that she this is the end of it. You know, like, she does kill that part of herself, but when she doesn't get the love she seeks, you know, like, I don't know, man. That's a tough question. Yeah. I also their, think... their interaction. Oh, their interaction, again, like, the whole, the whole... So cringy. Just, and hard, hard to believe. Like, I, I, I really was taken out of the movie. With the two of them? When, at when, the at the end. No, no, oh. with, um, after it was revealed. Okay. Like, thinking back, because I'm trying to remember now, was, so it wasn't revealed yet. When Marie is driving the car chase. Yeah, she crashes the car. But, like, he ends up behind her. Yeah, but because he, she puts the flashlight up. There's always... No, when they were driving. Oh. His car ends up behind her. all in her fantasy. That's, I don't know. I feel like that's Well, I feel like as a normal person who's never had a severe psychotic break, it's probably for the best that you can't relate to it. You know, like, I think it speaks to mental health. It's it's tough. Like, like, that took me out of it a little bit. Oh, see, for me, I could see that kind of delusion. I really can. Especially if you're going so far as to complete a, a concoct an entirely different persona. Like, I guess. Like, I don't she's know. obviously cray cray. Like, oh, she geez. is out of her brain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in a real way. <laughs> Not in your kind of way. Where you just are crazy about movies. Um, also, like, I thought it kind of played well to the, the notion of the monstrous feminine. So, just to, like, to remind, Barbara Creed came up with this theory that women in films are always going to either be the prototype of, you know, being pure to be good. Mm-hmm. Or monstrous because of sex and their reproduction organs and being like anything having to do with women's sexuality, right? They're, you're always a monster because of your organs. And in this film, the villain is monstrous and it is very much driven by her sexuality. I think that the scene where she, you know, double clicks the old mouse is definitely proof positive of the, like, almost the evolution of the female monstrous. Where it's like you kind of take back those organs. But again, there's like this duality in that moment where it's like, yeah, get it, girl. Good for you. But you're also going to kill because of the repression and the unrequited love associated with that. So it kind of takes that notion of the, the female, uh, you know, gender and, and organs as a monstrosity to society and evolves it to where we're at right now. And I find that fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm. like, are you you're awake over there? Like, tell me all about it. And you're like asleep. <laughs> I'm sorry, am I boring you? No, I just think you're, I don't know. Maybe I feel like you took this a very different way than I did. Let's go down your road. I don't have a road. <laughs> I watched a movie and enjoyed a movie. And some, like, you're, you're finding all these themes. And I feel like that it's, 
you know, where, I don't know, this is just, just movie critique 101, where it's all very subjective, because there are oh, people that yeah. watch it and say that it's anti-feminist and and all this, and then you've got your take, and, and I don't know, like, yeah. it's just... You know, I'm I'm interested in your take, but it's not exactly my take on it. You have sympathy for her. I'm I'm still wrapping my head around all the times I get yelled at for Baby Firefly, but but you are gonna sit back and have sympathy for Marie. If we had to take out the scale of evil <laughs> right now and, okay. and plug Baby Firefly on it, okay. and then plug Marie on it, uh-huh. don't you think that Marie might fall a little lower on the scale? Like a smidge lower. Okay. Not very far, though. A debatable. Oh, uh, she killed a child. Like what she was the, didn't. What was? The, she had a psychotic break. You're right, but she killed one family. Baby Firefly was like a massive serial slash spree. She killer. killed one family because she had feelings for her friend. That's not sympathetic to you in any way, shape, or form. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> we will agree to disagree. <laughs> All right, so fair enough. Yeah, that's all my musings on that. So let's move over to Martyrs, because now you're really going to make me angry. <laughs> did you rip your page? I hope no. you did. I didn't Karma. rip my page. I didn't <laughs> all rip right. my page. So in 2008, Pascal Laguerre, Laguerre, releases Martyrs. And of course, Hollywood goes and mucks it all up in 2016 with a shitty-ass remake that I do not recommend it. What? Did you watch the remake by No, accident? I didn't. I almost <laughs> did. Because I was like, oh, free on class. I meant to say that to you, not to watch the remake. Oh, you know what? Real quick, just to go back. Mm-hmm. I watched... High te- oh, I did rip my page. I watched High Tension I free on Prime. Uh-huh. And it was free on Prime? I watched it on Tubi. Half of it was dubbed in English, and I was like, oh, it's dubbed in English. But then that's okay. Rando. Halfway and- through, we got subtitles. Oh, see, I had it dubbed in English the entire time. <laughs> no, that's so funny. Halfway through, mine suddenly went to subtitles. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I had okay. to watch commercials, so now I'm salty. Oh. Um, okay. So, so martyrs. So martyrs, yes. So my first note is that you are my ride or die, and therefore, if you called me and said you murdered a bunch of people because they did something bad to you, I would help you, no questions asked. And one of the things that breaks my heart is Anna's constant doubt. Although I don't blame her, because Lucy's nutsy cuckoo. She <laughs> is out of her bird. I, yeah, yeah, I think that's the theme for this episode, broads yeah. who are out of their birds. They really are. <laughs> um... So, okay, well, let's first talk about the definition of a martyr, because you and I have vastly different opinions on this as well. Um, Traditionally speaking, a martyr is a person who chooses, you know, uh, because of their beliefs, and they don't always have to choose, at least not in the definition. See, that was the definition that I always knew. It is that they're, like, that was, that's the base of being a martyr, is because you have chosen to... No, Suffer a the martyr. Of arrows of outrageous no, no, torture. no, no. A martyr is simply someone who was killed or persecuted for their beliefs. They don't have to. Their believe. beliefs. Okay. Right, they don't have to. Believe. Their beliefs, okay. not someone else's beliefs. All right. So any hoodle, <laughs> originally in the Bible, in the New Testament, I know how much you love it. Yeah. Um, Nonfiction. A, a mar- Jesus Christ. A martyr meant someone who was a witness to a religious act or truth. And was therefore given the responsibility to become a believer and extend the knowledge to others. On that definition, I will agree then. Ah, thank you. You're welcome. In this film, by traditional biblical definition. Nonfiction. <laughs> what? You're, you keep calling it nonfiction. 
Oh, I mean fiction. Yeah, I was like, your joke's not working. It's not working. I was like, you're right. Not fiction. A lot of people believe that. Thank you for being sensitive to people's beliefs, Jackie. That's what you get. I'm glad your joke is ruined. (laughs) Okay, but I have a note in here, which that's what you get. That's what you fucking get, you religious freaks. But okay, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, going back. You, you. You think I'm such a heathen. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. I think by this very classic definition of biblical martyrs. Yes. And I looked in, in Judaism, in a couple other religions, it simply equates a witness. Someone who sees the truth. Like So, to me, it would be the equivalent of whoever watched Jebus on the cross, then he came right. back. Those people would be Okay, martyrs. so on that definition, then, I yes. 100% okay. agree. And I agree with you. I don't think that she does have the agency to choose what happens to right. her. But I would argue, and again, I'm assuming people have seen this if they're listening, she does have the agency whether or not to tell the the creepy mademoiselle lady. And yeah. she chooses to tell her, which I think is, is again, how she com- becomes the transcendent martyr. So, anywho, let's kick it back to the beginning. This movie is really two movies in one, and I think your critique on that end is fair. First half is literally just like a your basic home invasion nutso-fest. With Lucy killing a family because she was severely traumatized and held captive as a child. She escapes. In, like, the foster care system, she meets this girl, Anna. They become besties. Lucy calls Anna one day. She's like, fun fact, I found the people who tortured me and I might have killed them all very brutally. Dude, the scene where she bursts in and just shoots the hell out of those kids. The way that they filmed it, and in particular, the, the, the daughter... Oh. When she's running away, yeah. like the way that like it happens so quickly where you hear the shotgun and it almost looks like the wound blooms yeah. on her back. It's it's it, stunning. It Visually was stunning. Beautiful. Yeah. I was so into the first half of this movie. And there's this this entity, for lack of a better term, that's following Lucy. Correct. It keeps attacking Lucy. Yep. And I really thought this movie was going to be supernatural. No, and I was really on board with it. Yeah. And the moment it stopped having that, it lost me. So the the supernatural element is, is I think, a part that's worth a lot of debate. But when Lucy commits this atrocious act, you're right. It's this horrific violence happening, yet it's, it's so stunningly done on film that I really enjoyed it. And to be fair, I watched it with Matt, and he fell asleep for the second half, so he obviously felt the same way you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I don't know. I think that Anna is a witness in more than one way. I mean, obviously, when the, at the end... So basically, Anna is helping Lucy clean up. Lucy's completely unhinged. Lucy uh, keeps seeing the monster, and we think it's because the mom is still alive. And Anna's actually trying to help the mom escape because I think Anna is seriously doubting whether or not Lucy. And the whole first half of the film, you're with Anna on that journey. You're like, well, shit, are these really the people who did it? Like, they seem like such a normal family. Like, would they really, you know, tie somebody up and torture them for years? And I was like, none of this makes sense. Like, I think you're supposed to go on that journey with Anna. But then after Lucy kills herself, in in a grueling moment in the film, so grueling, um, Anna finds the secret passageway, and it turns out that everything Lucy said was true. When it was re- like I was, yeah. floored. And then she found a girl in there. Dude. Oh, it was so creepy. Like oh. honestly, like in a perfect world, when the girl that she found downstairs was mm-hmm. upstairs and got shot in the head by yeah the agency, by the, like the agency people yeah fade to black. 
done. Oh, no way, done. dude. No like, way. That's, that's literally the moment where I was like, and scene. No. And I checked out I the think rest. the second part of the movie is what makes it as powerful as it is to me. <sighs> so, okay, so second, cue the second half of the movie. The agency that these people who worked for, who chained up women and tortured them, comes in, and it, the, the head woman explains to Anna that they do this in the name of creating martyrs, basically. Someone who can transcend our realm of existence into a higher realm of existence, okay? Doesn't really go into much detail, just says, look at this face, look at this expression, this person has transcended, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and then they put Anna through grueling torture and, and, and just horrific, like, systemic, terrible things. Like, they beat the crap out of her regularly. Which I found those scenes really hard to watch. Watching a guy just plummet her. I liked that there was never any sexual violence against her. I think yeah. it really saved some of the integrity that they were of what they were oh, trying yeah. to say. But they did things like cut her hair, slap her around, uh, deprive deprive her of water, make her you know pee in a cup, whatever. Like all this crazy stuff, and really just left her there by herself to the point where she kind of lost her mind too. Mm -hmm. Which I think, for the record, in my head, Lucy's visions are. Again, much like Marie's, just mental breaks. Yeah, well, it's. You know? it, I mean, it was. It was guilt because for right, the guilt for of Lucy, leaving that woman there. Yeah, because what it is is Lucy is basically seeing a, when Lucy escaped as a child, she happened upon another room where another woman had her mouth sewn shut, yeah, was chained up, to a yeah. chair, and the woman is reaching out to Lucy, and Lucy was like, had a moment she's of panicked, confliction, yeah. and and then she bolted, she ran. I don't so, blame her either. Oh yeah. So this. This figure that keeps attacking, and air quotes, attacking Lucy. Is that woman. Is yeah. that like woman. A like it's a, of absolutely. That woman. It is now, a Now, could you argue that it's guilt. a ghost or something? I don't know. I think you could because Luce, Anna does begin to hear Lucy's voice. Mm -hmm. And is she cracking up? Is she transcending to a higher level of existence and awareness? Maybe Lucy was at a higher level of awareness and could see this apparition yeah. that nobody else could. But again, I don't know. I think it's more just she was having mental breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think both of these films really play well with like the philosophical weight of severe mental health issues. Like, yeah. you know, having this kind of break that something that breaks you, whether it is the repressed sexuality and the expectations that Marie can't meet or for Lucy, these horrifically traumatizing things, they both suffer from this severe mental break from reality that I find very interesting. All right, so you hated the second half, but let's talk the ending then, okay? Because I think the ending is what puts the meat on the bones of this film and makes it worth the grueling, grueling torture. So they flay her, which yeah. I can't believe you found that boring. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> the, I would say like the last 10 minutes caught my attention because when they, they, they hook Anna up to this contraption, and you just, you know, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You know what it reminded me of Lawnmower Man? <laughs> Which really speaks to how much you've ruined me. <laughs> and, and like, you see, like, that they are, like, you know, you, they, you, you, blah, blah, blah. you don't see what they're doing to her. You just see her face experience, yeah. experiencing this, like, insane oh, pain. Oh. But you don't know. And then we cut to the next scene. She's all wrapped up and oh. bloody. And when they take her out, oh. she's flayed, except her for her head, face. Her, her face. Just her little face is there. Um, I will say, yeah, the ending was kind of cool because she does transcend. She sees what is, what is after next? death. Yeah. And she tells the head lady. And the head lady's like, cool, now I know. I'm going to go there. 
Yeah, it's fucking... Well, first of all, the flaying never... I, I gotta be honest with you, this is a movie I only revisited. As much as I think it's brilliant and beautiful, I will only revisit this for this, and then it's going back on the shelf and never coming out again, because it's a brutal watch to me. Yeah. Both of these films are... Oh, yeah. There are a lot of French New Wave films that I have aggressively avoided. Like, Irreversible is one that jumps to my mind, where I'm like, I can't watch a rape scene that, that, that is that long. Like, I can't... There are certain things I can't do, and New Wave's French scares me for that reason. I feel like it pushes my boundaries. Um, and this film is definitely like that. The flaying scene makes me want to go bleh, and not much makes me want to go bleh in life. Um, and... Yeah, so so here's the power of that. I, so a bunch of like rich white people get out of cars because they are they're all show up to this house because you know they're finally going to reveal the secret. What comes after death, right? The afterlife. Mm-hmm. What's next? The fucking Mademoiselle chick, the one who's in charge of all of this, who put Anna through all that, who has for years and years and years tortured women to try to get them to tell her the secret, sits in a bathroom putting on makeup. No, she's taking off her makeup. Taking off her makeup. Says her little crony comes in. He's like, so did she really tell you? And the most powerful two words she says is she looks at him and she goes, keep doubting. And she blows her her fucking brains out. That's amazing. It is. Keep doubting. Yep. Like, so is does she kill herself because she can't? Is it so terrible that she doesn't want? people to know the truth about the afterlife because they would then have no reason to live is it great but she doesn't want to give them that no knowledge and that's, she just wants to go there that's what i took it as just her she was just selfish it was just the, i mean how selfish are you to begin with that you are kidnapping people yeah, but she's doing and, it on behalf of this whole organization i think it's pers- i took it as it's so bad what comes next is so bad that she has to kill herself because she has to let the secret die yeah, but Anna's still alive. Can't yeah. Anna just tell somebody else? I took it as she it's is so being good. a fucking thing for yourselfer. She <laughs> cannot wait to get there. Think for yourselfer. She's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and press the fast forward button here. Seriously. <laughs> That's what I took it as because Anna oh, was still God. alive. Right? But then none of those people get to know. Go downstairs and ask her. Oh, that's right. They said she stopped talking. Yeah. Okay. Nobody's but gonna still, ask her. I still she's think gonna she was die being too. Selfish. How long can you live, Flayed? I feel like I. You want to talk know. about movie logic? She uh, transcended. She's gonna, get, she's gonna get an infection. She. Tra- <laughs> she get don't the, touch. Added. Don't touch anything. Get the back team. Yeah. Just seriously, <laughs> get the neosporin because <laughs> shit's gonna go down. Yeah. No. I. I no. Did. She's I, not talking. I, I took, took it, it as, as. Oh, go ahead. I, That's no, I just, so funny. It's, yeah, we went completely opposite. I took it as she was being selfish. You know, as a freaking atheist i find it fascinating that you took the ending to be uh, the afterlife is great yeah maybe there's a maybe there's a religious person in there after all no probably not this is what you get with your fucking beliefs oh look it's another movie with an old people cult <laughs> this is what you get with your beliefs but you and when i say this is what you get thing. with your like beliefs you have to believe you can't know you have your to beliefs no i said that in the sense of me this personally is, no 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 oh. what i mean is is this is what you get for your fucking beliefs is your belief is that you have to torture women like why 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 right, is so, that in so your cuz people need to know they do, and that's that's yeah. what's gonna kill us in the end. Is like I mean, we've we already just keep down. I mean, how it's many not wars have been raged right, in the right, name of God right. and the, all of and this torture, right, right, all of knowing. this horrific, unwanted torture, kidnap, trauma, all of this. 
is yeah. in the name of their religion, in the name yep. of their god. And that's such an important. No fucking it's god. Never, is worth but that. it's never clear. Like they are never given a religion. To be fair, true. They could all be a bunch of agnostics or atheists who are afraid there's nothing. Like you don't know that it's organized. Like believe me, I'm always about slamming organized religion. But you know, I don't know that that it's ever. It's purposefully never ambiguous. It's purposefully never said who they are. They're not Christian. They're not Judaic. They're not anything specific. They just are people yeah, but, uh, who with, need to know. With atheism, like there's there's no afterlife. When but, it's science, but maybe, when you die, you're dead. But that's science. To them, there's science that they can know. Like I think, okay, so to me, you're right. I think the theme of like, look what your fucking belief makes you do. To me, the theme reads more like, as human beings, we need the mystery because we can't handle the truth. Because either way, whether there's nothing, whether there's something great, whether it's, I'm going straight to H-E double sippy straws, something. <laughs> double sippy straws. Double sippy straws. Yep. I have never heard it yep. as yep. double sippy straws. Um, <laughs> he, whether it's any of those things, we can't know. It would forever rock the very, like, purpose and, like, everything about humanity as we know it would change. If one way or the other, we knew. Oh, absolutely. Right? Because 95% of people, if it was great, I'd be like, all right, yeah, give me your gun when you're done with it, mademoiselle. Well, isn't suicide, like, frowned upon? Well, technically, in in Christianity, yeah. yeah. Christianity. Well, yeah, because, no, you're right, because either there's something, and then we all are like, okay, there's something, let's live this life to go to heaven. Or there's nothing, and... Right. Anarchy explodes because exactly. now there is zero consequence. Right? And that's why I think Keep Doubting is such a perfect ending. And I think that as much as it maybe isn't as exciting as the first half of the movie, the second half of the movie is what really puts the meat on the bones. Yeah, that, that last little bit I did pretty like. dope, yeah. But oh, like this rivaled Return of the King with their fade to black next scene. Fade to black <laughs> it's next over. scene. No, it's fade not. To, yeah, I was yeah. like, 20 oh, years it's later. still good. Yeah. This movie never No, ends. it wasn't as bad as Return of the King. Nothing oh, will ever be as bad as Return of the King. I think it was No worse. way! I get that they oh, were using... You I, just wanted the movie to end at the scene where Lucy died. I have made fun of Lord of the Rings for the same thing. But no, like, I get that they were like, using Lord of the Rings that. deserves it. This film no! <laughs> I understand that they were doing it as, like... That was the, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? They were using that as the vehicle of, of passage of time. Yes. Like, I do understand the point of the fade to blacks. Right. There were just far too many of them. Oh, uh, I wasn't knew it. I thought it it spoke to time elapsing. And I just, I just and every, really... And every fade to back was like a step towards, yeah. you know? I liked I just, it artistically. I, I think there, I was just a little bitter too that like I really thought it was going to be supernatural. And I, was I think really, you got that stuck in your craw I, and then you couldn't get it out. I really did. Like I was kind of thinking on the level of like revenge demon, kind of like the J-horror like That's because you super and... love supernatural and or slashery stuff. That's I did. why. That's why this was hard for you, French New Wave, because it's all built in reality. I know. Um... Here's my other thing too, and something that I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it out there to you. Okay, I'm ready. This notion that Lucy and Anna, in their own ways, prove that like trauma, like paint this notion that trauma can transcend us, and that severe pain and experiencing once you experience things you can never unsee, will forever change you as a person. And I'm curious if you think that's true. Do you think that suffering is what really does transcend us? I mean, I feel like that theme exists in religion, in history, in so much like where, oh, they suffered for it and then they became great. 
Yeah, it's like because you have to, like to a, yeah to to achieve that. Like you to have to go through. You have to, you have to you have to go through hell to get what you want or to achieve that kind of greatness. Which I say bullshit. Yeah, like I kind of don't. Uh, but then again, I, I don't disagree. Like as much as I don't like it, right. I don't disagree with it. Yeah, because I think that. The things that most, when I look at my life, the things that most define me are the pain and the trauma and the suffering. Yeah, well, you know, not not for me. And you know, it's funny. Like I, when you say that, like I'm taking it in a completely different way because you know I think about and I I will count myself very lucky. I have very little real trauma in my life. I mean, my parents got divorced and that sucked. That's a trauma, sure. But I, I think that's very like surface level. Like that's not. It's not easy. You know, it's yeah. it's certainly not easy, but on the scale of other people's trauma, like oh, my parents got divorced. Yeah. I'm part of the 55%, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, my brother passing away suddenly. That was a I, trauma. I'll count that one as a trauma. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, and I think you came out forever changed. Yeah, oh, 100%. I completely agree that trauma, you know, major event something good or bad, you know, either the ultimate of suffering or the ultimate Elation, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I think on either end of the spectrum, I completely agree that yeah, it changes you. Suffering for it, I, I think I'm agree with you as well that I don't like it. Yeah, it doesn't but, sit well. But I get, and you know what? So the reason I had said that like I'm taking it kind of a different way because you're talking about you know your past trauma has kind of like made you who you are, and I can see that it's like one of those like where like I overcame. And I am stronger for it. Yeah, and I yeah, can, you know, sure. you can think about things differently now and maybe have a different perspective. Right. Where my brain went to something as simple as, you know, me losing weight. Me losing weight. I'm going to lose the word suffer very loosely. But, you know, it's diet restriction. It's working out every night when I haven't worked out consistently in, oh, wait, how old am I? Oh, yeah, 38 years. Like, there is an element of suffer physically to my body because my body is not prepared at all to suddenly be doing cardio mm-hmm. every single night. I'm on the elliptical and suddenly I'm going up the mountain and it I literally have to pep talk myself to keep going. I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop and take a break. It's 30 fucking minutes. I can go another 10. I've already done 20. Mm-hmm. And I find myself... Pushing doesn't hurt. Yeah, my muscles are sore. Again, I am grossly out of shape and I'm sweaty and my thighs hurt and my feet hurt. So you have to tr- so work through it to transcend. To transcend. For the record, to me, your body is a wonderland. <laughs> Thank right? you. Just so you know. You're beautiful just the way you are. Um, all right, anything else? Um, Tune in next time for more Jersey Ghouls. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Speaking of social media. Bonjour! No, wait. Not to love. No, au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir, Pee-wee. The social media thing and talk to us and like it and love it. And uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed Martyrs and High Tension. Uh, It was a gnarly set of movies. But you know what? If you've got the stomach for it, uh, recommend on both of them. Like, you know, go ahead. Do it. You know, get a extra pair of diapers because you might see your pants. Uh, but we say go for it. So I think that's it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Au revoir, Kiwi. Au revoir. Adios. <laughs>
listening to the Geekscape Network. 